From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Our bodies change as we age, and one thing you may notice as you get older is that your sleep habits become different. Today, I'm talking about this with Dr. Andrea Berg, an assistant professor of geriatrics. Welcome to HealthLink on Air, Dr. Berg. Thanks so much for having me. What is normal in terms of sleep for someone, if we're talking about seniors, 60s, 70s, 80s, what's normal for sleep? There's definitely some things that change as part of aging, normal changes within our sleep pattern. So, you know, we used to think of sleep as just sort of being a time where we sort of powered down, but sleep has a lot of functions. And in about the 1930s, we developed EEGs, and we were able to plug in and see all these different waves and different patterns that happen when we were asleep. And it's a a time of great activity of our brain while we're sleeping. So So sleep has a lot of functions. EEG, that's Mm -hmm. a test of what you're what's happening in your brain right it's okay. it's a little it, it measures the electrical pulses through your brain and so from that we learned that sleep has a lot of different functions there's different stages there's uh, REM rapid eye movement sleep and non-REM sleep and our bodies sort of cycle through different stages uh, as we sleep um, throughout the course of the night and sleep has a lot of important really um, vital functions for our immune system for our bones our growth our development and our memory and cognition. So it's a really important function for health and um, in order to stay healthy and have optimal performance. So to your question, as we get older, there are certain stages of sleep that change in normal aging. Um, Some of our deeper wave sleep, of our non-REM sleep, um, are almost non-existent in many people that are 65 and older. Um, So that has a huge implication as we as we're sleeping, we're in a more lighter sleep for the most part as we get older. And you can imagine how that might factor in, say, if you have some arthritis or um, if you have some chronic pain that you're easier to rouse if you're not in some of those deeper sleeps just as part of normal aging. So you have trouble maybe staying asleep or, or falling asleep even. Certainly. And so um, sleep problems, sleep reported problems, either difficulty falling asleep or uh, staying asleep are very common as we get older. But the reasons for them can be very wide range. And a lot of those aren't part of normal aging. Uh, maybe it has something to do with other medical conditions that you have, um, be it um, sleep apnea. If people are mm. having, a, you know, they have blockages in the back, obstructive sleep apnea, if they have blockages of the airflow, that their, their drive to breathe is there, but the airflow isn't getting through, um, that's something that has a huge impact of a medical condition that is common um, and in common in older adults. Um, there's certainly treatments for it. Uh, but if it left untreated, it can really have impacts on overall health, be it you know on your heart health, but also on your mental health as well. Is uh, falling asleep earlier in the evening, is that part of normal aging? Not necessarily, but um, changes in that sleep-wake pattern, that diurnal rhythm, definitely happen as we get older. So some folks succumb to falling asleep earlier and then rising earlier. There's other folks that have a different pattern where they might fall asleep much later and wake up much later as well. So these variations in the normal rhythm of of that sleep-wake cycle are very common as we get older. Is, uh, are there differences in men and women, or do you see this more in women? Uh, n- not necessarily. There's not quite a breakdown um, it, uh, for in the sexes, although I think a lot of the things that result in some of the sleep differences are other medical conditions. So if there's a, a male or female predilection for a certain medical condition, that might impact it. 
um, for example, say restless legs. Restless legs is something that's very common, um, and it's increasingly common actually as we get older. It's a more common condition in our in our say sixth, seventh decade, um, and it's that sensation of sort of bugs in your veins that uh, in usually your legs, but it could even be your arms um, usually at night and moving around kind of makes you feel better. You can imagine how that impacts somebody's sleep tremendously. Right. So um, I think that it's it's probably more important to look at the medical conditions that could be contributing to sleep problems as opposed to just um, it's not all part of normal aging. So it sounds like if a person, a senior has issues with sleep, they should bring it to their doctor's attention because it might be tied to something else, yes. some medical condition. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, as far as, you know, physical medical conditions and then also depression, anxiety, they're really common, um, uh, impacting people's sleep as well. Uh, not only if you're having some depression, like a situational depression, but caregiving, you know, a lot of our caregivers have a lot of sleep problems because of the stress and emotional burden associated with it. So often if we focus on treating depression or anxiety, that often will have a, a good impact on um, positive sleep. Mm. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with Assistant Professor of Geriatrics, Dr. Andrea Berg, and our subject is how aging affects sleep. So as we get older, there we might be on more medications than we used to be, or we may have different diagnoses that we didn't have when we were younger. Are there things, we've mentioned anxiety and depression, are there other things that have an impact on sleep, um, heart conditions, things like that? Certainly. Um, so, and, and you mentioned medications too. So a lot of the medications that we're on see to manage some of our conditions like heart disease or other, um, or say if you have some cognitive impairment or dementia, all of these other medical conditions come with pills. <laughs> and uh, there's many ways that pills, the medications themselves, separate from the, the medical conditions they're treating can impact sleep. So for example, for heart disease, if somebody's on a diuretic, um, that's going to make them have to void and that's going to interrupt sleep maintenance. So the timing of which we take the meds um, it can be sometimes changed around a little bit so that it doesn't impact on sleep. Mm, similarly, say for dementia, a common medication that a lot of people are on to treat some of the symptoms of dementia is something like denepazil. Um, those, that class of medication can cause really vivid dreams and really um, active sleep. So if you take it too close to bedtime often, again, it's a timing issue. It could really impact somebody's sleep. So, um, so sometimes it's not only the medical conditions, but the pills that we're taking and how we're taking them. Now, there's medications for sleep, mm -hmm. too. But if you're an older person who's on medicines, does it become trickier to prescribe, like, another pill? Yeah, they're not. We, we don't love um, sleep pills. There, there's not a quick fix for sleep problems. So I guess the first approach would always be to try to figure out what what's causing the sleep problem, what's the nature of the sleep problem. Like most things as we get older, it's not it's often not one thing. So it's often multifactorial and trying to look at it holistically and then to realize that we're not going to lead with a pill solution. Sometimes it's taking away a med. <laughs> Sometimes it's increasing our activity earlier in the day, getting more sunlight, you know, getting into a more healthy pattern. So I'd say the first line treatment for sleep um, after we try to look at underlying causes, like if there's pain, we should treat it. If there's emotional pain, we should treat it. Um, but is to try to have really good sleep habits. So we call it sleep hygiene, for lack of a better word. But um, making sure that 
you know, that our, our days are full. So that nighttime, we're tired out, we're, we're sleeping, we're not napping excessively throughout the day. So a lot of folks say, hey, I really need a nap. So that's fine. But try to consolidate it to one restorative nap in the middle of the day, as opposed to fragmented multiple naps, so that we don't interrupt our normal sleep cycle, that we're able to go through those normal cycles of the non-REM and the REM sleep and have a full restorative pattern. Um, also being mindful of what we drink. So alcohol is, is it'll, um, it, sometimes people will drink it for, or take it rather for its relaxing effects, but it really changes the quality of our sleep so that it's not the normal sleep architecture that you're having if you're under the influence of alcohol. So even a little bit could make us have even further lighter slip, sleep and people are more likely to wake up frequently either to have to void or just because their sleep is really light. So I think a lot of people think of, you know, a glass of wine or whatever is going to help them relax and sleep better, but you're saying maybe the opposite. Right. It might make you, it might help you fall asleep, but your sleep maintenance will be negatively impacted. It's not the same quality of restorative sleep. Now, what about, there's a lot of um, sleep aids or supplements on the market, melatonin and um, different herbal types of things. are those similarly frowned on in, to be used by seniors? Well, I guess the concern always is we don't want people to be too sedate and, and kind of clouded. So there's always a, a, an exchange, right? So a lot of the medications that people might use for sleep, um, either the, the prescribed or the over-the-counters, we want to make sure they're not too sedating. Um, a lot of, of, say, like Tylenol PM, something that has Benadryl in it. It's really easy to get. It's over-the-counter. Benadryl has a really bad effect on our seniors because it'll cloud our thinking, and it could increase risk of falls. So those are usually the biggest concerns with the over-the-counter agents that are sedating of that sort, like antihistamines. Um, they, they could increase our risk of falls and confusion. Hmm, interesting. So what are, are there some uh, changes that you would say that if, if a person's experiencing these or if a person who's listening has a parent who's experiencing these, that they really, it could be a signal and they, they need to bring it forward? Well, sleep is so important, and I guess we can't underestimate that. And uh, we still need seven and a half to eight hours of sleep, ideally, and that doesn't change as we get older. Um, so I think to, to remember how important sleep is on healthy cognitive functioning, you know, that we need it to consolidate our memories and on our immune system and our bone health and our muscle health. So to really prioritize it, that it's not a luxury. So if some, if people aren't have, if they're not having good quality sleep and they're, they're waking tired or unrested, um, I would bring that up in, in, to, in your, in your visits with your providers, not with the hope of just getting a sleeping pill, but to look for an underlying root, um, and cause. And, um, I would say the last can we use pills? Sure, sometimes we can, but I would I would want to target it to what are the underlying causes for the sleep as opposed to just trying to, to put people out, to put people under. Is this an issue that a lot of your patients bring forward? It's a common Absolutely, thing. yeah. Sleep is a huge issue, um, and I think it comes into play not for patients, but also for patients' caregivers, too. Um, if, people, if, if I have a patient who has... Um, has dementia and their caregivers, if they're a fragmented sleep, it's a huge burden on them. So it's not just an issue for one person, but an entire family. Well, I'm imagining caregivers, unless they have some help, uh, you know, they're, if they're it, right. they're on all the time. Oh, absolutely. It's got to be hard. 
But again, I guess the best the best advice in the absence of other medical conditions for sleep would I first take a holistic approach of of the non-pill version, um, and really, again, just bolstering our physical activity during the day, um, our mental and our social engagement, and then at night, powering down, to not have phones or books in bed with us, to not have that bright light exposure. That bed is really, tell patients, there's really just for sleep or sex, and that's it. And that if you're not doing one of those two things, and you can't sleep, get up, do something else until you're tired, and then come back down um, and try sleep again. But trying to limit caffeine or, um, or alcohol too close to bed. Um, those are some things, some practical measures that we could do for more of a healthy approach towards sleep. In terms of sleep hygiene and the aging body, um, beds, do you just go with what feels comfortable or do, does the aging body need a softer surface or a more firm surface or is it just preference? Uh, I'd say that's more preference. I guess I'd be more concerned with uh, whatever you need to support your, your, you know, your comfort, especially for getting in and out of bed safely. Um, as we get older, uh, transitioning in and out of bed can be a, a, a time of high risk for falls. So oh. I'd be more concerned with like the logistics that you're well supported and that you know, you're, you're, the physical environment around you is set up so that if you do have to get up, it's, you're not putting yourself at risk for a fall. Now, is it normal to have to get up to go to the bathroom in the middle of the night? Yes. Um, for the most part? Yes, and especially for um, gentlemen. I know often prostate issues come up, um, so people might have to get up more often. Um, that That's true. <laughs> so how early would uh, a person in their aging notice changes in their sleep? Are we waiting until 60s, or would you see some changes maybe in your 40s or 50s? I think sleep problems are, pre- are prevalent throughout. Um, throughout our lifetime and that they could be a hallmark or uh, some sort of a warning sign um, of that, that something else needs to be addressed, um, be it in stress management or a medical condition or what or whatnot. But um, I think the important thing to remember is that at whatever age you're experiencing, if you're having troubles with sleep, if you're having problems either falling asleep, staying asleep, or you're not w- uh, rested when you wake in the morning, it's something to talk about with your providers because they're, um, it's not it's not just a problem with sleep, but it could be a problem of other medical issues. And if you're not getting an adequate sleep, then your immune system is, is compromised and, and it has uh, widespread effects on your overall health. It seems like that'd be a vicious circle, mm-hmm. really. So, yeah. Well, thank you so much for this information. It's my pleasure. My guest has been Dr. Andrea Berg. She's an assistant professor of geriatrics at Upstate. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.